0: Hello and welcome to the Business of Authority. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And today we are going to try to change your perception of risk.
1: Yes,
0: I like this. (laughs) So last week we made a bunch of suggestions about novel ways to or interesting ways to monetize your expertise. And for anyone listening uh, that these suggestions were new to, trying any one of them would probably feel like a risk and feel risky, like you're putting something at risk. So we thought we would follow on last week's episode with uh, with a risk episode, because in my experience, people, at least people that I work with, a lot of them don't consciously think of some resistance that they're having to um, a suggestion or a possible course of action. They don't think of it consciously as risk. And I'll hear it coming out, uh, but I'll hear it in their feedback or if we're talking about something, they'll say things like, Oh, but I'm not sure if that'll work, or I don't want to waste my time on this, if it's not going to pan out, or, you know, how's this worked for other people? And, and and what they're what they're clinching up about is that they're not sure it'll work. Mm-hmm. And and there is what makes it a risk right and like risk is the possibility of loss or injury but hopefully no one's (laughs) no (laughs) one's going to be packaging their expertise as like a squirrel suit jumper um but automatically it like you're never going to be have perfect information when you need to make a decision never ever 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 so Mm -hmm. you're always there's always some uncertainty and the question is around okay well how much can we reduce the uncertainty which will reduce the risk. And what are, what is the likelihood of a loss of time or money or reputation? And what is the impact of that loss versus the upside of the, the potential upside of the thing. And Mm -hmm. since I work with a lot of people who are super duper engineering mindset, there's a lot of squishy gray area in there that they do not like. (laughs) what engineers
1: don't like squishy
0: no which is good if you're building a bridge but if you're if you're thinking about how to package your expertise or update your marketing or niche down and specialize these are not life-threatening situations and they're honestly they're probably not even business-threatening situations so uh, but i'm not a big a big i'm not like a uh, you know thrill junkie not like a giant risk taker it's it's about noticing i think this episode for me is going to be about noticing when you are responding to uncertainty as a risk and then deconstructing it and thinking like okay what's the likelihood what would be the impact and what's the potential upside and you know and not betting not pushing all your chips into the middle of the table because yeah, in case it, it's it funny it you happen. said that
1: because it as you first said that, I was thinking Annie Duke,
0: right? yeah, exactly.
1: like, which hands do you just fold and say, nope, took it this far, not going to do any more. And which ones do you push to the end?
0: Yeah, that, this, that would be a really good companion episode, I think, to this, where it's yeah. like, you know, and, and it's even a Seth Godin thing. It's like, it's it's a business thing. It's like, you don't want to bet so much that if you lose, you'll be wiped out. Right, you know, on any any given hand, that's not smart. It's it's you're playing the long game. You want to win more hands than everyone else.
1: And let's face it, for for our kinds of businesses, that's pretty unusual that we're betting the house, yeah. right? We're we're making most of us are making small bets um, in the scheme of things. They feel large in the moment as you contemplate them because they feel like such a shift. But mm-hmm. you're not you're not typically you're not betting the house. You're not betting your life. Betting right. something much smaller and more manageable.
0: Right. I mean, we could even touch on that for a second. Which, which is the, you know, if you are running your own business, in theory, you you could lose your house if you don't have like your, you know, your, your incorporated or something, something LLC, like separating your personal and your business finances. But people mitigate that risk by uh, either becoming an LLC or an S corp or something, separating that stuff. Mm-hmm having you know, errors and in omissions insurance, depending on whatever area you're in. But there are ways to minimize that so that you don't have some horrible, nasty surprise that ends up you know affecting your personal life as well. So right off the bat, you're probably used to doing this, right? You've probably... T- the biggest risk you probably have taken already... Like t- starting a business is probably the biggest risk you'll take.
1: Yeah, really?
0: You know, it, it, in terms of the business stuff. Yeah. So the smaller things like the ones I get, I'm, I'm just coming out of a, uh, an email 365 course and, and five day podcast challenges coming up and people, and I talk about them. I talk about podcasting and writing every day on my list as I'm leading up to those things. And of the feedback that I get from, you know, a lot of people is like, well, how do I know it's going to work? How do I know? Or, or like, like, I don't want to waste six months on a podcast that isn't going to get me what i want and it's like okay well you know like (laughs) let's okay i understand that you're never going to have the answer to that question 100 up front it's just not
1: no never
0: not going to happen so minimize you know minimize the likelihood of the failure first of all what is the potential upside and what is the worst case scenario downside and
1: and then and then reevaluate your worst case scenario because you probably overstated it if you're naturally risk
0: averse right and then right and the way that i would drill into that with someone if i was working with them is to split it to split the downside into two parts what's the likelihood that this is going to be a complete waste of time in the case of the podcast and uh, what would be the impact of that it's actually pretty low Mm -hmm. right and if the upside is if the upside or sometimes i think in annie duke's book she talks about the expected value or ev if the i don't like that word expected value but i guess it's you know it's subjective so it's The the value that you would predict, the upside, the potential upside, you can kind of, you can guesstimate at, again, engineering mindset hates that, but you can, within a range, you can probably say, well, you know, if, if it went great, it might, I might end up talking to Steven Pressfield on the show. If it went not so great, uh, I can't get anybody to come on. I can't think of anybody, anything to think about. People hate it. Uh, It's like, yeah, you know. Or no really it wouldn't be people hate it, it would be no one listens is really nobody listens,
1: right. But the flip side on the other side is yeah, you might talk to Stephen Pressfield or you might get a new client. Right. right? And that would probably, depending on, you know, your business model, that would probably more than pay for the time that you spent doing the podcast or you you, there's some learning i mean i shouldn't say or because this is a given with a podcast is you'll be learning i guarantee you'll be learning when you do a podcast Mm -hmm. whether it's from your guest whether it's from the research that you do to talk about a thing whether it's the feedback people give you afterwards i mean you can't do a podcast without learning unless you're just
0: hopeless (laughs) yeah no i mean yeah yeah you're going to learn right so if you if you that in the win column that's pretty much guaranteed it's not why you start probably yeah true but it is a nice fringe benefit and it's the same with the email list like people people are like horrified by the idea of committing to writing every day or even every weekday and and the thing I can guarantee is that it will crystallize their thinking in record time so and without exception people find that it's way easier than they expected because you know, not that they're going to stick with it forever, but uh, they do. It's it's much easier than they expected because they thought it was going to be impossible, and it's really not. I I, I interviewed ten people for doing daily, which is a, a sort of limited run podcast about writing daily, and everybody was like, "I thought it was going to be so much harder than weekly, but it's actually easier because I'm like I get way more ideas, so there's less uh, blinking cursor on a blank page, mm-hmm. but." That aside, it's like, okay, if if this feels like... If we agree, me and me in person I'm talking to, if we agree that that this approach, daily writing or starting a podcast or whatever, changing your positioning, specializing on something, changing the headline on your LinkedIn, I mean, some people resist the smallest things. If, if we are in agreement that this could lead to this upside that we're looking for, so if we agree on that, then we say, okay... What is the bet we're really making here? Like, what is what are what are the chips you're pushing onto the table, and how bad would it be if you lost them, versus the potential upside of of what we've agreed this could lead to, and really deconstruct it and think through like, you know, like I, I jokingly say to people when they're like, public speaking is another one, like so nervous about public speaking and i'm just like i mean it's not like you're gonna get hit by lightning like what's the worst thing that can happen like maybe maybe tear your pants like i've seen that happen like but it's still i had a
1: guy faint once
0: wow okay i haven't seen that
1: (laughs) not because he was afraid it was a medical thing but he literally passed out in the middle of his presentation and fell off the stage so yeah
0: Okay, that's bad.
1: Yeah, I know. I probably shouldn't have said that. Now right. nobody's going to want to speak in <laughs> yes, public. See, that was a that once in a million rule. thing.
0: Yeah, yeah. So have a Snickers bar before you go up and eat a little blood sugar. Exactly. But um, yeah, it's just... I notice it a lot where the fear is inappropriate. It's inappropriately high based on what I see as the risk. So, So I think talking through it is is the way to kind of like think for, for engineer types, like thinking through it and being like, okay, you like on a scale of one to five, like how sure are you, are you that this thing is going to crash? Like this is not going to work and come up with that number. And then it's like, okay, what is the impact if this thing doesn't work and then come on a scale of one to five. And then if you've got, you know, cause everybody's got limited resources. If you've got four or five different things that you could potentially do, like maybe you're deciding between a mailing list and a podcast or on an, a, a listening tour or doing cold outreach. There's probably a lot of things you're considering doing and you can't do them all. You could make a list. You know, if you're a spreadsheet person, you can make a list of like, okay, I would my, my guesstimate, is this, this, and this for the likelihood, the impact and the upside and, you know, rank them in that way. If, if you wanted to, that might help and pick the one that seems the like the best bet.
1: Well, I think the other thing too, you said earlier, like for developer types, um, and this idea of wrapping your arms around what it means works for all kinds of um, personality types and interest levels because it kind of forces you to, uh, you know, put it on paper or on a screen so you can look at it and think yeah. about it analytically. So even if you're more of a touchy-feely type, it gives you a place to look at this and to really assess the the perceived risk and the actual risk. And we all have. Uh, different um, tendencies toward risk. You know, there are some people who are just like, oh, throw the dice, just do it. Just, I yeah. don't care. I'm going to jump out of the airplane. I don't work. As long as I have the harness on the back or the, the parachute, I'm fine. I'm good. Mm-hmm. And somebody else would study it for weeks and, and would do a tandem jump first. You know, so we all have different things that we're afraid of. Like I am much less, I take a lot fewer physical risks, but I take a lot more, Uh, business risks Mm -hmm. financial risks they're they're easier for me so be aware of your own personality and how you think about this but i really like the writing it down and logically thinking it through it's kind of like turning the light on and looking under the bed to make sure that Mm -hmm. there's no monsters there
0: right yeah and especially if you if you're a soloist you don't really uh, it might be a little too scary to turn the light on you just you just I I see this, like people just reject a thing out of hand because there's some uncertainty. And Mm. it's like, well, everything's going to have some uncertainty and the stuff that has low uncertainty has low risk and therefore is going to almost certainly have low reward. So making making some bets, like you – I'm trying not to say you have to, but it's like if you don't, then you end up trapped in your comfort zone.
1: Yeah, trapped is the right word.
0: Right, and – because you're just status all status quo all the time which is your comfort your comfort zone but it is not your safety zone it's a dangerous zone to be to, to be comfortable as a business owner
1: yeah because the world is going to change We don't know how but the world will change and your exactly. comfort zone is going to change and you're going to get blasted out of it instead of making your own decisions right. about how you change and grow and experiment.
0: yeah exactly you'll be forced so you know by by most certainly financial reasons initially so you touched on something with the parachuter thing that I wanted to mention that is is strongly related uh, i'm reading Dan Ariely's new book and i think it's called misbelief and he's he tells a story about a study i think he ran personally ran a study of of uh, like x games athletes and people like that that are like jumping off mountains on a bicycle. And uh, <laughs> like literally, I don't know if you've ever seen this, but it's terrifying. I'm like, I hope my kids never it, do that.
1: Yes, it's, not, it's not in my wheelhouse for sure.
0: Yeah, me neither. But the, the inter- his question that he wanted to answer in the study was, are these people um, big risk takers in all areas of their life or is it just this? And it was just that. They were extremely mm-hmm. vanilla in other aspects of their life. So to to sort of reinforce your point that you were just making a second ago that if you're aware of the things that you are more that make you more nervous that can help. So for example, you might not be nervous about like replacing your internal systems with some no-code solution, you know, you've been doing something manually, like something that's not client facing or something that's not public really it's just like back of the house stuff mm-hmm. that's not gonna probably feel very ris- well who knows i mean it depends have, <laughs> it depends right i have i have non-technical <laughs> clients who that would that would be very scared of that
1: yeah it's like what happens if it breaks what am i gonna do yeah 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 there's I'm, there's I'm an helpless. element of risk mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. right so yeah so it, it could help if you know that there are certain areas where you are that way where you're extra risk averse, and ones where you're less risk averse. It, I mean, that certainly that would be a thing to get coached on, and sort of like, or find. So, if you're like, if you're like that, and you're like, oh, I, you know, I, I do want this automation, so I don't have to hire, but I feel like I'll be trapped in my in a in a sort of Rube Goldberg machine of my own making that I don't know how it works, and if it fails, like everything's the money stops da- that day. So. Yeah. Right, so then, so you're like, okay, what's the likelihood of that? You know, you we're not saying do no research, but there's a there's an appropriate, but trying to get to zero uncertainty is procrastination. So you want to decrease the uncertainty, and you want to decrease the impact if the thing does happen. So you could think about it and say, okay, I'm just naturally terrified of of technical systems in my business that touch money. So okay, what could you do about that? Make a list. It's like, well, if I think this is important, I do want to do this. It's just like it's a good idea, I'm just afraid of it because of the uncertainty, then try and decrease the uncertainty. Like I just did this with someone and it's going to sound like a it's going to sound like obvious or not a big deal, but it was a big deal to the person where really really wanted to be on this p- sort of all-in-one platform that would run a lot of parts of their business
1: mm. oh i could feel i could feel why that would be scary right I feel risky Yeah. right
0: and so so but it was like yes this would be good but i am afraid of the downside but it would be good if there, if if i could do something about the downside and so it was like well let's just learn it yeah, let's just lay learn the platform and you know and just break through that i mean the fear was of the um uh what's the right word it's not it's just the, the lack of knowledge. It was just like the the black box. The fear was of the black box. and It's like, well, let's open it.
1: And that feels like uh, I, it's going to sound judgmental, but that feels like a healthy fear. Like, OK, oh, yeah, I yeah. need to understand this because whatever you do is going to get you to a better result when you understand the risk that you're taking and just mm-hmm. understanding the system or perhaps delegating that to someone um, is going to help.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like what's plan B, right? So. So it was like, all right, so to do, go watch all the introductory videos for this platform. It it might take you two hours, but it's going to decrease the black boxiness of it. And then follow the, do the stuff that it's teaching you how to do. Okay. Like here's how to set up this, here's how to set up that. And it's like, and, and I could, you know, and it made sense because this is this, that could feel like a waste of time. It could feel like the kind of thing that you should outsource. But had this person outsourced it, then, then they would be uh, held hostage in a sense by this third party when really all it's going to take, all it could have taken is like a half day or a day of getting comfortable with this, getting like a working knowledge of the system and then just being like, oh, I'm, now I'm self-sufficient. And it's like, and, and the certainty goes way up that if something does go wrong, they can figure it out. And then there was the backup plan was, call me, right? And, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever the backup plan is. So it was like, okay. And then it's, and it worked, right? You know, it just like worked out great. So now the person is like. In
1: in that scenario, what you're doing is you're cutting through the fear of not doing something that you know is very, very likely to advance you. Right. Right. Right, and we all have those fears, whether that's you know starting a podcast or it's this all-in-one system or maybe hiring a VA for the first time. I mean, those are like those are like normal, <laughs> expected, mm-hmm. you know, fears. And I think it's really healthy when we can just kind of work unpack them.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, right? Exactly. Yeah,
1: I had a VA who did so much for me, but the one thing that she would not do unless like I almost had to put a gun to her head was, was to do anything inside my convert kit. And um, I mean, she would like she would program stuff, but she wouldn't she did not want to be responsible for hitting the send button because she was convinced that there would be a mistake. And she was like hyper vigilant about that and hated doing it. And so I finally I just got to the point where I'm like, all right, fine, just I'll handle that just don't do that. If I had mm. something broke, she'd help me fix it. But yeah, and I always thought, gee, you know, if you're a VA, like that would be a really good thing not to be afraid of. Mm. You know, right. I and mean, it's like it limits you.
0: Exactly. Exactly. And that's how I felt about, you know, this person that just just poked around, you know, watched some videos and poked around and like, oh, this isn't. And I, I, uh, I had enough knowledge of it to know that it was within their capabilities it was just it was really just a lack of information yeah you know they just needed a little bit of of self-education to it was it was definitely they were capable of it so it was like and then after i was like you have a superpower now right like you you just saved yourself i don't know like thousands of dollars but more importantly you've become self-sufficient in this key piece of your business key piece right? Mm-hmm. So like if, if someone I'm trying to think for me, the core of my business absolutely is my mailing list for sure. So it's like anything I don't even like, I don't even like, and I've experimented with not even using something like convert and just directly, uh, using services that are more direct ended up, I ended up back, backpedaling from that, but for interesting reasons that we could talk about another time, <laughs> but I want to know, I want the risk, the likelihood and impact of any screw ups with my mailing list to be as very, I want them to be very low, reasonably low for me, mm-hmm. but it's, it's yep. quite low. So that means I want, I have hired people to train me when I moved to ConvertKit, I hired people to coach me on it, to train me on it. I've gone through, you know, I learned the software since that's, you know, since I am going to use a, since I did ultimately decide to use a normal platform for it and uh we're
1: using the word normal a lot today (laughs) between us
0: i guess but anyway it it's like um but i get i could see it was it was an unusual suggestion to say like well why don't you just learn how to use the platform because that feels like one of those things that the common sense conventional wisdom would be like no that's not knowing convert kit is not a core piece of your business let's say let's say it was convert kit like being good at convert kit or at least intermediate at convert kit's not really core to my business of like whatever you want to call it coaching or you know pricing consults so it's it's the kind of thing that that the the normal business advice is outsource but that's that's just a completely different that's not our business model like like having employees or dependencies like that, that need to be maintained, updated, replaced. It's a lot of friction if you're going to be a small, you know, a company of one. So spending a half a day or paying someone to train you instead of do it is I think a, um, a good investment, a good, good ROI. But a lot of people will see it as like, no, that's uh, a distraction. I could be spending time. Uh, doing sales or marketing or delivery mm-hmm. or something that's a little bit more in the the mainstream of their business. Uh, and and maybe that's true in some well, cases. Well okay, so here's
1: here's what I I'm 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 putting myself in your shoes in this situation. And to me, that's your lead generation system. Mm-hmm. Is that email I mean it delivers the thing that you use to generate your leads. So it's a key part of your, whether you want to call it marketing or sales or both, your marketing sales delivery. So mm-hmm. I could I could make an argument, even if you weren't as technical as you are, that you might want to do that. You might want to get smart enough um, to be able to make it do what you want, whether that's having somebody coach you. Um, and, and absolutely, you could outsource it. For myself, I like to touch things that touch clients and prospects yeah i like to touch those things now i wouldn't care as much about like if i had an internal system um that was delivering stuff to clients um i i might be okay if it was operational like it was a like a dubsado style system where you do your proposals and you uh you know you hold all the work product inside that'd be fine i i wouldn't mind um outsourcing that as long as I understood how it worked first mm.
0: yeah like I outsource my accounting and stuff like that you know like legal Yeah, I
1: don't understand how that works
0: <laughs> yeah I don't I don't insure myself I have insurance and I, <laughs> I rent an office I didn't buy the building so you know there are plenty of things that uh this isn't an anti-outsourcing thing it's more like it's it's just it was just a story to talk about the um the uncertainty and the way it can keep you trapped in a situation that's suboptimal. And if you're, you know, certainly if you're working with a coach, but even if you have like a peer group or someone like that, where you can kind of talk through, it's like, here's this thing I'm thinking about doing. I, I think this would be good, but I'm resisting it for these reasons. It feels risky or or risk-like language. And then just talk it through, you know, like like, am I over... Uh, am I overestimating how bad it would be if I accidentally sent a bunch of emails to, uh, I don't know, to the wrong segment on my list, or if I accidentally sent three emails in one day to the entire list, or here's a classic one. Um, again, it's on my mind because email 365 just wrapped up, but oh, a few people, this is pretty common in that workshop where some people already have a mailing list. It's just not daily. And the question always comes up, should I start a second list? Should I, you know, a daily one Mm -hmm. and keep the weekly one and start a daily one? Sound familiar? Yep. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Or should I tell the weekly people that I'm going to switch to daily and then just start sending daily? Or should I just start emailing daily? And like people who unsubscribe, unsubscribe and people who don't, don't. And and my advice, generally speaking, you could talk me out of this for some good reason, but my default advice is just start emailing daily instead of weekly. And the people who were going to unsubscribe will unsubscribe anyway, and it'll work itself out. And maybe that's wrong or maybe it's not wrong, but the panic inducing, like the idea is <laughs> panic inducing. Yeah. And But what, you know, and then they, and they see, and they do it. And then they see the unsubscribes and it's like white knuckled. Yep. (laughs) So I'm like, well, those people were never going to come over to the daily list anyway. And now you only have one list to manage instead of two. And you know, like I said, there's exceptions of course, but, but the, what's, but if you say like, what's the risk, like what, like there's, there's fear when I tell people like just start emailing. And the reason I say that is because, Of the three, none of them is a clear winner, and that's the easiest one. So do that one. It's not like obvious that.
1: It's, it's that fear when you see the numbers dropping that you've so carefully, especially if you have a small list, right? You've so yeah, carefully exactly. added each person to the list. Let me just tell a quick story. So um, I interviewed Pia Silva on Solost Women. It drops, I think, next week, mm. oh, I, probably this week when this comes. Um, but she pivoted her business from doing um, branding directly to entrepreneurs to this, you um, direct to graphic design and brand strategist training. Hmm. And um, and I said to her, I said, so have you like made the shift? And she said, oh yeah. She said, we dropped 10,000 people from our mailing list. Mm-hmm. And I just, I was like, whoa. So we're worried about like onesie, twosies, fives and tens. Here's somebody who said, I'm so committed. I'm prepared to drop 10,000 people from my mailing list that are not going to be interested in this message. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it just depends on the the scope of the risk that you want to take.
0: Yeah. And then the upside, right? So, like, if you you imagine the, the, I don't care which one of the three things you picked, but just to to work through the scariest one, which is the easy one for you, is to just start increasing the frequency of your, your messages... What's you know, and the, and then the panic. But what if everyone unsubscribes? It's like, well, how likely is that? Mm-hmm. And like, what really is the impact between the two other? But if we if we've decided that daily is something you want to do, and what all we're stuck on is the transition from weekly to daily, like, what are you really afraid of?
1: Yeah, pick one.
0: Yeah, because it's going to happen no matter what, <laughs> and you'll probably end up with more. My guess is no way to A B this, but my guess would be. That and the data seems to indicate that there's a some unsubscribes at more than normal unsubscribes at first, and within a week you've got your daily people, like the people mm-hmm. that that made it through, the people that have been getting a lot out of the emails and are happy to get more. It's like, well, every every single one of these, I can't wait to open, so I'm glad to have more. So, the, I guess the point is, I don't. I'm trying. I'm trying and failing to not make this about daily emails, but what really is the likelihood that your whole list is gonna unsubscribe? What really is the impact if your whole list unsubscribes and and just work through it?
1: Let's shift the topic to niching. Um mm-hmm. because I it just it comes up so often in both of our um Experience And just this morning in my Slack community, uh, somebody raised the question and said, hey, I'd be curious for feedback. Um, I'm thinking about niching to this. Um, my fear is I have these two possible new clients that are not in that mm-hmm. vertical. Um, has anybody else niched successfully? And it, it was only up there for like 10 or 15 minutes and two people immediately chimed in with just like such perfect answers of how they themselves had niched. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I haven't seen, you know, the, the interaction yet, but I'm guessing that that was really helpful for this person to see. Because we've all had that. It feels so big when you're in that moment and you think yeah. about, you know, taking like if, you, if you're serving two audiences and you're going to take one of them off, right in your headline or you've always said i'm an ex and instead you're gonna say i serve these people doing this like this is who i help and and how it feels so big because it feels like it's (laughs) your headline it's the sign on top of your house it's like it's you're shouting it from everywhere but in fact it's not as big a risk as it feels like
0: usually yeah it's pretty rare for someone to Underestimate the risk. In the group of people that I talk to, it's almost unheard of for people to do something that I'd be like, "Whoa, have you thought that through?" It's that never happens. Yeah, it's always the opposite. They're thinking it through too much, or they're not thinking about it at all, and they're just recoiling from the idea. But that yeah. you just reminded me of another one that came up recently in Ditcherville, which was. Um, I've been getting more and more of these examples of all you can eat subscription services. we talked about it uh, last week, I think, uh, and the week before it. And it's, it's interesting. It's really interesting that it seems like a very easy thing, relatively easy thing for certain people to sell. Like clients get it. Like they, you don't have to explain it to them. Like they pretty much understand it, but the, the risk is always about capacity. So for the person who's selling it, they're afraid that if they sell this all you can eat package then all their clients are going to like belly up to the buffet and fill their purse with shrimp you Mm -hmm. know until the whole place is empty (laughs) which just doesn't happen that so it's like okay let's i can sit here and tell you that that isn't going to happen you're not going to believe me but let's just say we can talk to a few other people who like me have offered all you can eat subscriptions and it just doesn't happen um could it happen yes but i think based on people who with experience it seems like an edge case but let's say it does happen what so the likelihood is where people with experience are telling you the likelihood of the thing you're afraid of happening you know the the pocket shrimp people is probably not going to happen If so low likelihood what is the impact of that happening well you'll be pretty busy you'll be pretty busy for some amount of time so what could you do to mitigate that impact? What to decrease that impact? You can set expectations up front. There's certain things that you could say are out of bounds up front. There are uh, throttling. You could put throttling into the, uh, into the um, agreement, kind of like unlimited data on your phone. But if you hit five gigabytes in a month, it'll slow your speed down. So, like There are things you can do if the impact would knock you out of the game. If the impact would knock you out of the game, even though it's a remote likelihood, then okay, then put some guardrails in place for for the unlikely event that, that will not affect anyone except for people who are like, whoops, edge case happened. So, you know, like, let's deconstruct this instead of just out of hand rejecting the idea mm-hmm. of an all-you-can-eat subscription because someone might steal all the shrimp, you know, and, and then what? <laughs> <laughs> like you have more control than that you do have more control over it than that
1: yeah i mean yeah it's funny i have two reactions to that one is yes if that makes you feel uh solid enough to go ahead and take the risk and do it then do it the other side is i get nervous when i see a person versus like a big company that has this you know 27 page list of the the terms of engagement. Oh yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) You know, so yeah there's there's a balance. Yeah. Yeah. There's a balance with that. But that is that is a, a concern. And usually it's that there is like one person or one client company that you know you could have caught in the early stages, but you didn't know enough yet. Mm -hmm. right to catch it and they get through and they do that and so then it's do you change the rules for everybody or do you just say client x i'm sorry this isn't a fit here's your money back or we're going to stop working together Um, and then you just do a a better job of screening and you know still you know the occasional one is going to get through that's a bad fit because you know we're not clairvoyant and and circumstances change clients swap out but you know you do your best within the parameters that you've set the guardrails that you're comfortable with
0: right and and the, the this is specific to the example but just to wrap it up if you because the likelihood is low if you have 10 or 20 clients signed up for this at the most one or maybe two are a little bit you know pigs at the buffet <laughs> but but the other 10 or 20 or like 9 or 18 the the rest of them Will be low uh, low capacity demand low demand so it's like it kind of balances out anyway mm-hmm. but anyway but the like the, the 80 big picture, curve yeah the big picture is but everything you said is true too i mean you could just disengage there's all these things that you could do yeah um but the important piece is to drill into the fear of uncertainty yes. and say yes. like okay what am i actually afraid of here and oh well this. Okay, what could we do? Like how likely do you think that is? You know, 5 out of 10 or whatever. It's like, okay, how could we get that down to a 3 or a 2? Well, we can have a better qualification process up front. Okay, let's do that. And then what about the impact if somebody's is, is taking all the food? Like what's the impact there? Well, I or what's the what could you do to decrease the the impact of that? Well, I could do all these things and blah blah, blah. or if it's just unsustainable you can let them go. So once you get in there and you're like, okay, let's talk about it and get into it, then sometimes you can take what seems like a terrifying idea and turn it into, I could, I could do this.
1: There's, as you were saying that, there's something else that occurred to me is I think sometimes there's a fear that's more about the qualitative experience. Than about the fact that like a client's going to take advantage of me, mm. and sometimes there's a message in that, like, oh yeah, you don't want to do a membership um, because you really don't want ongoing voices in your head, yeah. <laughs> right? You really prefer doing project work. You'd like the the um, the baseline of having membership revenue come in that feels a little bit more certain, perhaps but boy you really don't want to do that. So sometimes that fear is is something else and then it's got something to teach you. So it, you know, regardless, it's really helpful to dig into the fear and understand what's going on before right. you
0: make a decision. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Like I would I would almost categorize that as like a high-level strategic decision where you've you've decided that this thing is not for me for a reason that's not going to change. You know what I mean? It's almost like right. a, a values level. It's not quite values level, but it's a, a very high level reason why like, yeah, this isn't for me. Like so someone replied to one of my emails about this and said, I just don't like the idea of going to bed, not knowing if I have to work the next day. And yeah, okay. I was like, well, that's, that's good to know. I mean, I don't see any reason why that would need to be a requirement. You know, you could still have total control over your schedule, even in an all you can eat model but but okay that's a good thing to know that's like a it's like a personality there are people, level yeah thing.
1: there are people who feel that in their head it's like uh, i'm married to a person like that it's like <laughs> okay i don't know what's going to happen today but i have to be available in case something does hmm. Right. And that there's that creates a feeling in certain kinds of people that feels like a deadline, even though it isn't. And it's, yeah. you know, it's easier to conform the circumstances to your personality than it is to change your personality. But sometimes <laughs> yes. we do like sometimes we, you know, make choices to push ourselves in a new direction.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. <laughs> way easier. Yeah. Okay, so I feel like we've made our point. What do you think? Do we leave any stones unturned?
1: Uh, you know, with us, there's always... We, un- we <laughs> overturned a few extra, and we probably left a couple more unturned, but that'll give us an idea for next time.
0: Exactly. All right, cool. Okay, folks, so that's it for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark.
1: And I'm Michelle Moulton.
0: And we hope you join us again next time for the Business of Authority. Bye.
1: Bye-bye.